Lesson four, communicating about zoonoses. This lesson is divided into four sections that address communicating about zoonoses. The lesson will provide an overview of the styles and skills you can use when communicating with clients and includes general principles of client communication, risk communication and zoonosis prevention and zoonotic disease reporting. I will also share with you various resources that are available to help you communicate with clients about zoonotic disease risks and prevention. At the end of this lesson, you should be able to compare and contrast two communication styles, paternalism and relationship-centered care. List four immediate clinical outcomes associated with communication skills training and explain four core communication skills, nonverbal communication, open-ended questions, reflective listening, and empathy statements. You should also understand factors that can cause challenges in communicating zoonotic disease risks, explain the importance of reportable zoonotic diseases, and learn about resources available to help you communicate with clients and your community on zoonotic diseases. As veterinarians, we play an important role in protecting animal and human health. This includes communicating with clients and the community about risk and preventative measures for zoonotic diseases. In the first section of this lesson, we'll address different communication styles you might use when working with clients and others. Let's start by reviewing the concept of the VCPR or the Veterinarian Client Patient Relationship. In general, a VCPR exists when a veterinarian knows their client's animals or group of animals well enough to diagnose and treat any medical conditions that develop. The definition may vary somewhat according to different clinical circumstances and in different practice types. However, the VCPR always relies on connection and interaction between all parties, making good communication critical. There are two main communication styles that you might use when working with clients. Paternalism is a top-down approach in which the veterinarian dictates to the client what must be done and how, dominating the medical encounter and setting the agenda and goals for the visit. This can be helpful if the client lacks animal health literacy or does not understand the disease process and treatment options. The veterinary visit has a biomedical focus with the paternalistic model and the veterinarian acts as the patient guardian and in the client's and patient's best interest. However, the client may feel that their voice is diminished and be hesitant to speak up. Relationship-centered care is different from paternalism. Using this style, the veterinarian collects information from clients, including lifestyle or social issues that may affect an animal's health. The veterinarian also asks for the client's opinion and acknowledges the role of the animal or animals in the family. Animal care is thus a joint venture between the veterinarian and the client. Under ideal circumstances, both parties feel respected, satisfied, and invested in the clinical outcome. However, there may be cases when shared decision-making breaks down. Research has shown that female veterinarians conduct more relationship-centered appointments than male veterinarians. Paternalism and relationship-centered care are both valid communication styles. There is not one communication style that is right for every situation. Your communication style may change depending on the practice type, the clinical circumstances of a veterinary visit, and the characteristics or preferences of your audience. Let's take a look at how your communication style can change in different settings. 
Client communication in production animal medicine can be different from companion animal medicine. With livestock, the focus is on herd health versus individual well-being. There can sometimes be a priority conflict between the veterinarian and the producer. For instance, the veterinarian may emphasize animal and public health, while the producer is concerned about their business and focuses on cost minimization and short-term outcomes, like getting animals to market on time. Your communication style may change depending on the clinical situation or your patient's type of illness and severity. For example, when encountering a serious acute problem, veterinarians tend to assume a paternalistic expert-in-charge role where decisions are made unilaterally and carried out on the patient's behalf. When addressing minor, subacute conditions, the veterinarian acts as an expert guide, a paternalistic guide, providing professional opinions and offering treatment suggestions. For chronic conditions, veterinarians may serve as relational partners or facilitators, depending on the owner's expertise in animal health, husbandry, and management, and how these factors evolve over the duration of the VCPR. The veterinarian provides necessary information, but the client also participates in decisions and carries out the agreed-upon treatment. Improving your communication skills will help you better interact with many different audiences, including clients, coworkers, and colleagues. You can also improve how you communicate with your community regarding public health, with key stakeholders involved in animal health and goods, and with regulatory agencies. Knowing your audience will help you choose the best communication style. Consider age, gender, education, and animal health experience. Also think of how culture or ethnic background or socioeconomic status could affect the audience's perception. Next, we'll introduce communication skills. We'll also cover the benefits associated with communication skills training. The VCPR, Veterinarian Client Patient Relationship, is directly influenced by your communication skills. There are three main communication skills to be aware of. Content skills, which involve the information that a veterinarian gives to a client. Process skills, which include how veterinarians communicate through both verbal and nonverbal methods. And perceptual skills, which include cognitive skills such as problem solving and critical reasoning and relationship skills like self-awareness, awareness of others, and personal attitudes and biases. Together, content, process, and perceptual skills contribute to the efficacy of communication. Becoming more aware of communication styles and how to improve client communication will benefit you professionally. The underlying premises of communication skills training are that communication is a core skill that is essential to clinical competence. Communication is related to outcomes of care, and communication can be taught and is a series of learned skills. Let's look at specific outcomes associated with communication skills training in more detail. From studies of physicians and patients and veterinarians, patients, and clients, we know that positive clinical outcomes are associated with effective communication. As shown on this slide, communication skills training has been shown to enhance patient health and safety, client adherence, efficiency, client satisfaction, veterinary confidence, competence and satisfaction, and team or veterinary coworker safety and satisfaction. Communication skills training is also linked to a reduction in unnecessary procedures and costs, client complaints, and medical errors. As we've seen, communication skills training has a positive effect on clinical and practice outcomes. 
experiential learning is most effective for communication skills training. To improve your communication skills, you need to practice. Steps to take include the following. Understand the various communication skills that can be used. We'll cover these more in the next section of this presentation. Next, reflect on the communication skills you currently use or want to include or improve on. Then practice those communication skills with a mock veterinary visit or encounter. If possible, record and observe a video of your performance to see where you can improve. Last, receive coaching and feedback on your performance and reflect on your strengths and weaknesses. In the next section, we'll learn about the four core communication skills. The four communication skills are your baseline or your starting point for building a communication toolbox. The first core communication skill is nonverbal communication. Nonverbal communication or communication without words includes body language, such as facial expressions, gestures, body position, tension, and touch. Spatial relationships, including the distance between you and the client or bear any barriers between you, such as exam tables, animals, computers, or seating. Pair language includes factors such as voice tone, rate, rhythm, emphasis, and volume. And last are autonomic responses, including flushing, blushing, tearing, sweating, changes in respiration or pupil size, and other non-voluntary responses. The exact meaning of nonverbal actions depends on the culture in which it occurs. Some types of nonverbal communication are negatively perceived. Actions such as poor eye contact, crossing your arms, raising your voice, slumping, tapping your foot, or speaking behind barriers can be interpreted as dishonest, disinterested, unconcerned, nervous, deceptive, dominant, judgmental, bureaucratic, or timid. In contrast, positively perceived nonverbal communications, such as good eye contact, sitting forward, keeping your hands open, placing your hands on your chest or near your heart region, maintaining an erect posture, and talking in a lowered voice can be seen or interpreted as honest, open, caring, knowledgeable, and competent, empathetic, sincere, interested, and confident. Ideally, verbal and nonverbal communication work together to strengthen and reinforce a message, but sometimes they may contradict each other. Mixed messages are confusing and can result in miscommunication. To improve nonverbal communication, veterinarians must be sensitive to their clients' nonverbal clues and also be more aware of their own. Looking at this photo of a dairy producer, what nonverbal cues do you observe? Possible responses include the positiveness of his erect posture. However, his arms are crossed and he is looking away with no eye contact. The second core communication skill is the use of open-ended questions. Open-ended questions allow a client to tell their story in their own words without your input. In contrast, closed-ended questions can be answered with one word like yes or no. Many veterinarians predominantly use closed-ended questions. To improve communication, ask questions that will allow clients to describe, explain, elaborate, or share. You can use the funnel approach where you begin with broad, open-ended questions like, tell me about it. What happened next? What has been going on? Share your thoughts or describe what happened. Then use focused, specific questions to narrow down your inquiry. Finally, 
Use closed-ended questions, like yes and no questions, to clarify details. Reflective listening is the third core communication skill. Using your own words, you reflect back the content or feelings behind a client's words. This not only demonstrates your interest in the client, but also provides an opportunity for them to clarify, correct, confirm, or add information about their animal. For example, you might say, you mentioned that you changed your pig's diet. Let's explore that. Other ways you might phrase reflective listening statements include, I hear you saying, you mentioned, it sounds like, it seems like, what I heard is. The last core communication skill is empathy. It is the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes or see a situation from someone else's perspective. Empathy is not the same as sympathy, which involves feeling pity or concern. To create an empathetic response, remember to appreciate your client's predicament or feelings. Then, communicate that understanding back to your client in a supportive manner. You can think of empathy as naming the emotion that you sense. You might use words like, I see that, I am hearing that, I am feeling that, I sense that, it sounds like, it must have been. You can also use nonverbal communication, such as facial expressions, tone, or touch to strengthen your expression of empathy. Next, let's look at some general guidelines for how to communicate effectively with clients. So how can you improve patient outcomes and increase the likelihood that clients will follow your recommendations? First, you must establish trust. Also, understand your client's agenda, the reasons, the concerns, goals, priorities, and expectations, as well as their perspective, their thoughts, feelings, opinions, values, and beliefs. Tailor your message to the client's worldview. This is influenced by their friends and family, the farming community, and social media, in addition to environmental factors like seasons and markets. You must also understand a client's motivations, both immediate and long-term. You also need to listen to your client's comments and concerns during a veterinary visit. Don't dictate the agenda or try to convince clients to take a particular action. Instead, empower them to make informed decisions. You can provide useful options for clients, such as things that they must do, should do, and could do in a given situation. Remember, although accurate veterinary advice is valued by clients, that alone does not lead to change in behavior. In the next section, we will talk about how risk communication principles apply to talking to clients about zoonotic diseases.